This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello and welcome to Blood Red. You're listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast. I'm Kai Delaney and I'm joined this week by a very special guest, our own Guy Clark, host of the Blood Red podcast, as you may know him. And um, despite his best efforts to hide it, he is in fact an Arsenal fan. <laughs> Guy, how are you doing today? <laughs> yeah, not bad, Kai. Not bad at all. I, I, to be fair, I, I try not to bring it up all too much. It's normally Ian Doyle who's, uh, who's there chipping away through pretty much every blubber podcast episode to uh to let everyone know but yeah i'm i am indeed a gooner and uh i am obviously i'm actually the one who's behind enemy lines aren't i if you you work it out with blood red type thing infiltrating <laughs> the uh the liverpool persuasion and uh yeah happy days how's that, be, how's that been for you over the last uh well coming up for two years now i guess uh arsenal fan in an office probably in, in liverpool's you know best spell of our recent history yeah, it's, it's 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 not been pleasant, uh, especially given it's coincided probably with Arsenal's worst uh, period of time during that time. I think I think I must have arrived at the Echo and at Blood Red. What would it have been? The summer, obviously, Liverpool had won the Champions League. Was that the same year Arsenal had just lost the Europa League final to Chelsea? I think it was. Um, so yeah, we we'd been condemned and banished from Champions League football, as it were, and Liverpool had just won the big one and on the way to to winning the league title. So yeah, it's 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 been laughs, as you can imagine. It's been uh, it's been full of laughs for me. Well, hats off for your professionalism, anyway. So um, let's get into it. So obviously, Arsenal against Liverpool uh, Saturday night uh, coming up this weekend. So um, just to get your thoughts, really, on Arsenal's season so far. You're currently ninth in the Premier League table, um, which obviously isn't great on on viewing, but then you're also only four points behind Liverpool. So um, how, how does it kind of sit for Arsenal fans? Yeah, it was an absolutely disastrous start to the season, to be honest. Uh, well, not not specifically the start of the season. I remember we went to Fulham first game of the season, won 3-0, beat West Ham, and then obviously we, we rocked up at Anfield um, and were given a lesson. And I think that sort of showed the level which is between the two sides, Liverpool that night. I think that was probably one of Liverpool's best performances of the season, to be honest. Certainly up there with the uh, the Wolves win um, at Anfield as well and the, the game against Leicester City. But yeah, since then, kind of, um, we kind of began to start kind of seeing creaks and uh, cracks in sort of the, the side Mikel Arteta had obviously inherited from, from Unai Emery, which wasn't great. Looked last season as though he'd kind of set out his stool and won the FA Cup and things were all looking rosy. We went and signed Thomas Partey in the summer and it was, everyone was sort of, or I say everyone, Arsenal fans were kind of upbeat and thinking it could be the beginning of getting back towards trying to get into that top four conversation. Definitely a feeling after last season of kind of being mid-table that it would be top six. That was kind of, that was always my thing of get back in the top six, finish sixth, and then from there, you you try and build and go on. But yeah, defeats certainly to like Leicester at home after really dominating the first half and then getting caught in the second half. It happened against Burnley. Granite Xhaka got sent off in that one as well. And yeah, it was the first half of the season. It all sort of just began to, to fall away. But recently, it's been encouraging. Um, I think it's only one defeat now in, in what the last sort of eight games or, or so in all competitions. And that was against... Olympiacos in a game we'd 
already sort of won the, the first leg 3-1 defeat to Man City in the Premier League's the only one sort of in recent weeks that I can think of so it's encouraging but we started or we are starting from so far behind that even trying to maybe get seventh and get into the Europa League again for next season is is looking like an uphill challenge. You, you mentioned um, the, the back end of last season there you obviously won the FA Cup um, beat us in the Community Shield as well yeah, on penalties. Yeah. Uh, at the start of the season, um, obviously, Bamiyang eventually put pen to paper on his on his new contract. Um, it all seems to be going in the right direction. Uh, it, it kind of feels from there is a bit of a, a lack of progression, I guess, uh, from from where it looked as as you might be heading. Um, what 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 do you what would you see as a, a success, I guess, for Arsenal this season? Yeah, I think to be honest, I think it kind of goes back to the summer as well, like. Um... Obviously, we had the, the whole Meza Ozil thing that kind of went on for 18 months that was just not needed, really. I mean, whether his, whether his contract extension was needed is is probably another question entirely. But that sort of became a circus that every week, every conversation around Arsenal that you sort of saw stories published was, is Ozil going to feature? Well, no, he's not because he's not even been kind of like registered in the, the Premier League squad or what's he going to mm. do with Meza Ozil? It was, well, he's going to go kind of at the nearest possible junction. When when Arteta took over, funnily enough, he sort of reinstated Ozil and kind of having played with him, it was like, oh well he's going to get him, him get him firing again. And then after the lockdown he we, we didn't see him again. Um and then yeah obviously went on to win the FA Cup. We're playing that sort of three man defence, the, the sort of back three thing that worked really well in terms of being compact and resolute and everything Emery's team wasn't, Arteta's team was. But then beginning of this season, that had kind of had a bit of a reverse on Arsenal where, yes, we were compact and hard to beat, but we were also our, our worst own our own worst enemy in terms of trying to be open and sort of that expansive Arsene Wenger Arsenal that you sort of associate them with, with fine passing moves. We just couldn't do that anymore. And it seemed as though Arteta was sort of coaching it all too much and everything was too, the ball has to be at this, in this space at this time. And everything was built up too sort of... Uh, rigidly and too predictable for the opposition to be able to read. And yeah, I think after winning the FA Cup, a lot of people were hoping and expecting that maybe yeah, Arteta is going to be the man to push it on and go further. And I think in the summer we signed Partey, as I said before, but we didn't sign, I think crucially, a attacking midfield player. Like we were we were after Osemawa, who's obviously now and, and even before was being linked with Liverpool. And he was kind of the guy that everyone thought, right, we do need a creative midfield player. Yes, we've got Ozil, but we're not using him. He then went in January. Erdegaard has come in. And all of a sudden, with him and Smith-Rowe and Bakayo Saka in the side, we all of a sudden do look creative. And we do look like, actually, we've probably wasted three or four months of the season, which in this season, when all the games have been so sort of heavily packaged together, that's really going to have cost us. But I think since kind of the, the turn of the year, we've probably been one of the four or five best teams in the Premier League and hopefully we can just carry it on now through the remainder of the Premier League season but I think crucially probably in the Europa League I think that's going to be the big one for us It's almost uh, not not too dissimilar from Liverpool season where most of our eggs are really in our kind of Champions League basket and then same with Arsenal uh, kind of going for the Europa League as, as really the best shots of, for both of us making Champions League football next season um, You touched on Arteta there he, he was kind of meant to come in and you know, breathed new life into Arsenal, which, you know, he, as we said, he, he has won a trophy and things did start to, to pick up a little bit. But what's the, the general perception of him amongst Arsenal fans? Is, is he the, the long-term answer here? 
I think personally, really, there's not really much of an option, uh, if I'm being honest. He came in as head coach and after winning the FA Cup and looking like he galvanised the club and the squad, he was promoted to manager. And him and Edu, uh, obviously former Arsenal midfielder of the early 2000s, he's now in as like a technical director. And effectively, the two of them kind of, certainly the technical side of the club, they kind of have all of the uh, the control and the power in terms of which players they're wanting to sign, which players are going to be used, who's going to be sold on and moved out and everything like that. And um, I think Arsenal, certainly financially now, what's it, five years out of the Champions League if they don't get into it for the, the, the next coming season after, what, 20-odd years of consecutive qualification. The club was built off the model of getting into the Champions League and the American investment at Arsenal, much like at, at Liverpool, doesn't really want to be pumping billions and millions of pounds into the club. They're really there to kind of cream off the success and take their dividends, their profits, and it's an investment for them, which is is the way they want to run the club, each to their own type thing. But having now not got into that Champions League for so long, it's kind of the finances of the club are taking a real hit, certainly with the big contracts that have been handed out to the likes of Ozil and now Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And we kind of, I don't think, really have much of an option other than to kind of stick with Arteta. It might be a few more seasons of pain, of waiting for a few of these youngsters to come through the academy who are looking bright and hoping that actually they can find consistency and become top, top players and actually that be the route for us getting back rather than trying to buy our way back into sort of the, the top four and into the Champions League places. And in that respect, as I say, I think with Arteta, with, it, with any kind of young coach, I think he's come in very headstrong of what his ideas and his principles are. And it's not until sort of some of them have not been working that he's then had to kind of tweak. He's he'll kind of stick to what his beliefs are. And fair play to him on that. Like recently when he dropped Aubameyang for the North London derby, that one worked out for him. But he can be very stubborn within that. Um, and maybe I think one criticism you'd let maybe level at him is that kind of le- um, lack of flexibility with certain issues and whatnot. But. Yeah, I think the perception of him is, is he's doing a decent enough job and probably realising now for Arsenal fans just how big a job it is at Arsenal. And it might only be with time that actually we begin to get back to the levels that we'd like to see at Arsenal Football Club. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. There are similarities between Arsenal's position now and Liverpool maybe kind of just before Klopp took over, maybe even going back a little bit before that. But in in his press conference um, before this, this match, uh, Mikel Arteta said something along the lines of, um, you know, Liverpool, uh, he didn't use the word blueprint, but that's kind of what he was getting at. You see Liverpool have done it almost without the injection of funds like someone like a Man City or Chelsea have had. They, they've had to build their own success, build players up, buy them cheaply, sell them for profit and, and work their way up to the level they are now. Do you think that that is, that is right? Arsenal going to have to follow that mould that Liverpool have done over the last few years to get where they want to be? I think every I think every club who isn't Manchester City, I, th- I don't think Manchester United fans would want to admit it, but I think everybody who isn't Manchester City looks at Liverpool and says, look, you can win the title without having to uh, to just pump in billions and billions of pounds into it to, to be able to do it. I mean, Lampard used to, Frank Lampard used to speak about it, didn't he, all the time when he was at Chelsea of sort of saying, look at Liverpool, it didn't happen overnight. And I do think that is right. And I do think with Arsenal, it's weird with with Liverpool, with like if you draw comparisons, because I think you can kind of even go back to kind of 
I'd like to think we're not kind of at the, the Hodgson level, and I hope we never kind yeah, of. I, quite did, I didn't want to say that. Albeit <laughs> or, 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 or this year, we were sort of when I said about that bad run, people were talking about a potential relegation battle. But hopefully, we've kind of had our nadir and bottomed out, and now we are sort of coming back towards where we should be. But it, it's sliding doors with loads of things in football, isn't it? You think even back to sort of the 16, 17 season, I think it was, wasn't it, when um, Liverpool beat Middlesbrough on the final day of the season, I was at Anfield that day, the 3-0 win, and I was probably the only person inside Anfield thinking, get a draw, because Arsenal were playing Everton. We we won. Mm. We obviously got the win, but you guys had won and we couldn't get into the Champions League. We've not been back in it ever since. And uh, yeah, I think it is just a case of season on season now trying to build on it. But I, I personally, I've had the belief for a few seasons now, the Premier League is getting so strong. You throw Leicester City and they're now with seven and... Everton, who will soon be coming up on the rails as well, eight teams who are going to be battling for Champions League football, that if you're actually in the Europa League, given the strength and dominance that the Premier League has financially over all the other European leagues, the fact that you can get into the Champions League by winning the Europa League, which is far fewer games, what is it, 15 games in all, the first six of which in a group phase of teams who you've never heard of and you've pretty much Mm. guaranteed qualification through that, Arsenal have been to a semi-final loss to Atletico Madrid, a final loss to Chelsea. Last year, lost to Olympiacos, which was absolutely horrendous. This year, now through into the quarterfinals, and you can kind of see a route towards the final. And personally, I think that is Arsenal's best option. And if they can't get it this season, need to ensure they're in the Europa League for next season. I think that's the biggest thing. You sort of draw in comparisons between Liverpool and Arsenal this season. You guys now concentrating on the Champions League to try and win it to be in it next season. And other than that, you just try and just go all out for finishing fourth. And for Arsenal, I, I think it's more important for Arsenal to definitely have European football of some kind than it would be for Liverpool, say, to fall into the Europa League. Because I think Liverpool in the Europa League, there's no one who's going to be able to uh, to get past them, albeit Liverpool fans won't want to hear that. Well, well let's stay on that because I know me and you have certainly had the, the conversation you know, off, off air many a times. And as, as an Arsenal fan, and you've been in the Europa League for, for several years now, my opinion is I would, if Liverpool aren't going to be in the Champions League, I'd rather we weren't in Europe at all. If, if as a one-off season, probably thinking about the 13-14 season, you know, in all honesty, we had no Europe. And yeah. we were fresh well, even 16-17, getting into the top four. It, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't think if, if we'd have won the Europa League final against Sevilla the season before and then had European football, probably wouldn't have been able to get into the top four the following season. So there is that argument as... As a Liverpool fan, I'd say to not have Europa League and and we know how Klopp he you know talks about fixture congestion uh, congestion and and TV rights and things like that every single week and it's certainly something he's not uh, he's not keen on. Um, from a Liverpool point of view, if we were to have no European football at all, that could in theory give us a better shot at the league. But you're saying as someone that's that's been there and been in in European football with the Europa League you would still think maybe for Liverpool, it would be better to finish in the Europa League than not at all. Um, I think I think, I think think Liverpool's a bit of a different case. Uh, I, I'm sort of speaking from an Arsenal perspective in thinking that every year in the Europa League, I think we've got a shot and should be contenders for definitely being in the last four. And then obviously it is what it is. And Arsenal don't have the European history Liverpool have of winning these tournaments. I think obviously winning the UEFA Cup sort of in the, the early noughties or whatever. Other than that, we got to the Champions League semi-final in 2006, lost to Barcelona. But the fact you can win a European trophy 
and get into the Champions League when we probably are one of the fifth or sixth best clubs now in England in sort of current ranking in terms of where where our our squad and the club is at. So for me, I think it's it's a great opportunity for Liverpool. I think it's a different story. I think if Arsenal if Arsenal finished seventh and Liverpool finished eighth, would that mean next season that? Arsenal are any more likely to get in the top four than Liverpool? No, not at all, because Liverpool have an unbelievable squad. But in terms of the financial side of things, Arsenal have Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's on 250 grand a week, probably as much as any of Liverpool's top earners, if not more. I don't kind of know that inside out. But then to not have any European football to bring any kind of revenue in, I get the revenue streams like 10 times less than the Champions League or whatever. But I think Arsenal is so important to kind of have that kind of pot for, for our Premier League campaign. It's been absolutely detrimental. Like, I think we've only won two games following a Europa League game all season away at Manchester United and away at top uh, and away mm. at Leicester. Sorry. Um, albeit the North London Derby, I think actually recently might've been after a, a Europa League round of fixtures, the, the defeat to Olympiacos. So that might be three now, but yeah, it, it does wreak havoc with the, the the fixture congestion and everything, and the style of play that Jurgen Klopp has. I do. I, I I kind of agree with you, mate. That if you were to finish outside of the Champions League places, it's probably better to be out of Europe in total. Certainly, the way as, Klopp, as a one-off season. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, yeah. So, certainly, the way Jurgen Klopp wants to get the players on the training ground, wants to play that high octane football type thing. Whereas for Arsenal, as I say, I think it's. It's our it's our best avenue to get back into the Champions League. If we finished in eighth this season and then didn't have any European football to contend with next season, would it would I feel any more confident that we could finish in the top four? Probably not. I'd still say, well, we'll probably finish about sixth, um, mm-hmm. with or without Europa League football next season, because the squad should be deep enough to deal with it, as should Liverpool's. But yeah, it's it's one of those it's sort of backing which horse. Um, backing the best horse, isn't it? And I think you guys, regardless, it's been a freak season, hasn't it, for Liverpool? Let's sort of um, get that out of the way. Everyone sort of can acknowledge that. And next season, if you're not in the top four, it'd be an absolute disaster. Whereas for Arsenal, it'd uh, it'd be absolutely brilliant. Well, hopefully Liverpool can win the Champions League in Istanbul and everything we've just spoken about will be irrelevant. Um, Yeah. Fingers crossed. Anyway, back to matters on the pitch. Uh, One player that's been... Probably arguably your shining light this season since he joined in the January transfer window, Martin Odegaard, on loan from Real Madrid. Um, I think his performances have actually seen him linked with a return to Real Madrid, uh, transfer to Liverpool, several other other teams around the world as well. I mean, a, just how impressed have you been with him, and and, and b, do you think Arsenal would have a chance to la- land him again next season, or do you think a move to Liverpool would work? What are your kind of thoughts there? It's damning, isn't it, that you get a player coming on loan in January and you say he's been the player of the season. But he, he, he probably, he probably, he's definitely within within uh, argument for and debate and discussion for that. Uh, he's been brilliant, actually. Since he came in, when he first came in, you could see he hardly played any game time. And I was thinking, oh, we've let Ozil go. And that was that's the thing I find a bit puzzling with it, is he seems very Mesut Ozil-like, albeit a lot more intense and will go and press the ball maybe more than Ozil would. But in terms of left-footed, the balance he brings to the team, his passing range is unbelievable. And just that way that he is able to just sit in sort of pockets of space and flick balls around the corner and link with attacking players and really sort of change the tempo of the attack for Arsenal. He has been a breath of fresh air. And 
Emil Smith-Rowe was playing in that number 10 role beforehand and a few people sort of thought, oh, this is going to be bad for him. It's going to push him out to the left and is he going to be as influential? He's been great in eye-catching, but I don't think he quite puts the numbers up in terms of assists and goals that Erdegaard has proven that he can do. And as each game goes by, he's he's getting better and better, stronger and stronger and looks as though he is a natural for the Premier League. I can understand kind of why links to Liverpool have kind of been surfacing, albeit he's very much a number 10 and mm. Jurgen Klopp hasn't played with a number 10 for a number of years, has he? So I don't know if he'd fit Liverpool if, if those rumours, there was any sort of foundation to them. In terms of a return to Arsenal, I think they'll they'll be doing all they can to bring him back. Um, there's kind of rumours that emanate that say, well, Real Madrid do now want to take him back and have a look at him. But on the flip side, he was probably performing as well as he is for Arsenal at Real Sociedad. So if Real Madrid mm. decided they already don't fancy him, then hopefully that plays into Arsenal's hands, who have had a good bit of negotiation going on with uh, Real Madrid now for a few seasons. Obviously, Danny Ceballos has been at Arsenal for, for two seasons on loan. So if worse came to worse and it, it had to be another loan deal, um, certainly again on that financial side, if that meant that Arsenal could save money for transfer fees for other players because it's not a case of bring Erdegaard back, keep this squad together and then it can go on and do something really good next season. Arsenal are still two or three players short across the pitch um, and of course it's Arsenal. We've got another contract fiasco about to erupt or that is already happening is Alex Lacazette, our number nine. He's got just one year left on his contract and again, we find ourselves in a position with an ageing striker. Do you renew his contract or do you look to sell him to then reinvest the money elsewhere in the squad. But knowing that if you let him go, you're going to need to go and buy a centre-forward. And what are the most expensive players in football? Centre-forwards. So it's kind of catch-22 all over again for Arsenal. But on Odegaard, I'd, I'd like to see him come back. But I don't quite know how realistic a, a prospect that, that will end up being. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. One option that could present itself to Arsenal if Real Madrid do decide to take Odegaard back uh, to the Bernabeu is that of Felipe Coutinho, of course. Um, many successful seasons at Liverpool. He is, of course, uh, you know one of the best uh, around in that number 10 position. Um, you know, obviously, he hasn't been kind of quite hitting the heights in the last season at, at Barcelona, but he has been linked with Arsenal. Um, he has been loaned out since he since he joined Barcelona and you know it, uh, potentially a loan to Arsenal could work or you, you can't imagine I, I can maybe see Arsenal buying him given how much uh, you know Barcelona paid Liverpool and, and what they'd want to recoup from that but Liverpool fans think you know, very highly of him and and his, certainly his, his days at Liverpool he was he's one of our best players well what's the view from Arsenal would, would you be open to a Coutinho move if, if Odegaard didn't work next season? Uh, not particularly for me, to be honest. I think th- the name Coutinho and like the parallels you were saying before about drawing them between Liverpool and Arsenal, actually, we need to try and find our own Coutinho and a way of bringing a player in on not too much money and not costing too much of a fee and then flip him a few years later after getting his best years and then be able to help reinvest that into building a squad. Um for me, what what is he? Twenty nine in the summer, I think Coutinho is. Um, I think he's probably had his best time now. I know we did a podcast last week on on Blood Red, Suarez and Coutinho. Would, like Liverpool fans, or would Liverpool consider taking mm. those players back? And for me, he's had so many injuries this season. I don't think he's. he's I think he's played a full ninety minutes once this season. 
we don't need to find another Ozil situation where we've got a big name in the building who you know has quality, but you either can't get out on the pitch reliably enough or just won't quite be able to rediscover levels that they once had. And I, I feel Coutinho is probably in that level. For me, like a player we've been linked with loads and loads is Emi Buendia at Norwich. Now, obviously, it's it's championship football and it's a lot different. But again, it's kind of the pond that Arsenal are now probably going to be fishing in. Um, mm-hmm. We're not going to go and buy, I don't think, a ready-made star and see them kind of flourish straight away. That's why we got our Odegaard in the first place, isn't it? Because he's he's not been able to get into the Real Madrid squad. He's still a youngster making his way up towards what his peak of his career will be. And we've been able to take him effectively to help develop him for another club, which isn't really a position Arsenal should be finding themselves in. Um, and I think Buendia, I think he's probably a similar kind of age to um, Erdegaard. He's probably 23, 24. And if we could bring him in from Norwich, that's not going to be a cheap deal to do. But if we could bring him in, and then help develop him and, and take him on, then hopefully he could kind of be a permanent player there who Arsenal could benefit from in the short term and in the medium long term, might even be able to sell on eventually to make a few quid, if not just continue um, using him for the, the quality he'd bring into the club. Yeah, so looking at the uh, the other end of the market, I, I suppose, as as Liverpool did, yeah. um, players that were maybe relegated, the likes of Van Alden, uh, who, could, who could step up and, and maybe push on to that next level at Arsenal? Yeah, I've, I've, I think it's it's one of those that if we go for ready-made stars, either transfer fees or wages, are just going. I think Arsenal need to box clever and be smart about. Like, look at the Kieran Tierney signing that we made and spread that payment over the course of a few years. He joins as sort of a, a young twenty odd year old, what probably twenty three, twenty four again when he he's arrived and he's been absolutely brilliant. Last season, of course, he had a load of injury issues, but then this season he's been absolutely fantastic. We've gone and got Thomas Partey, who has been an out and out world class star, and when we've been able to get him fit on the pitch, he's been absolutely unbelievable for us. But I think there's only a certain amount of those players that we can afford to put in the team. And if we've got Partey and Aubameyang, I think then the rest of them around the squad need to be players who can hopefully develop their potential to get to that level. The likes of Saka, the likes of Smith-Rowe, Tierney, as I say, who's very much getting to sort of an elite level. Um, But yeah, I I don't see the days of... uh, To be fair, and and even when Arsenal have done their best business in years gone by, it's never been buying world-class stars. I mean, this whole decline really has started after giving Ozil a new contract. Albeit, yeah, we'd we'd gone and got Ozil and Sanchez and we got a few years out of those two being absolutely unbelievable. But we hand Ozil a new contract. We go and buy Lacazette and Aubameyang for 15, 16 million pounds respectively in in the space of six months. And all of a sudden, the club's finances are bust and we're out of the Champions League and really struggling to find a route back. We will start to wrap this up then. Um, just just quickly, what are your hopes for the rest of the season? Um, I guess it's Europa League or bust. Exactly that. It's kind of the way that the, the, the podcast has gone, isn't it? Um, for, me, for me, it's all legs in the Europa League basket. Um, looking at the Premier League table, what are we, ninth? Um, four points behind, obviously, Liverpool and Everton both on, on 46 before the game. Um, and that is the last Europa League spot. Obviously, we're not in the FA Cup now to go and win that one like we've done a few years in the last few seasons to even sort of back up the uh, possibility of being in the Europa League. Last year, it was our route into it. But yeah, four points off that. I think we can try to get into seventh place. I think there does need to be a push to get 
into seventh and into the Europa League through league qualification. But the the main priority for me needs to definitely be Europa League football. And if we get uh, Europa League, sorry, winning it, and if we got back into the Champions League, the riches that could potentially unlock um, would be absolutely massive. And then hopefully Arsenal can kind of leapfrog a few steps in there kind of quest to get back to being a top four regular and uh, try and consolidate that very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. We, we just saw the the impact it had on this this Liverpool team and, and not only the team, but the club uh, that, that first season back in Champions League football. They, they've been able to consolidate it and really push on ever since um, up until this season and obviously the circumstances that have surrounded it. Um, Guy, I did just want to ask you finally, um, we did touch on it earlier, but we've we've had the emergence of Leicester in recent years looking like a, a real you know force. They don't look like they're going anywhere in terms of that that kind of regular top six. Um, Everton now under Ancelotti in the new stadium look like they could be around for for a good while. Does the top six, the traditional top six, does it even exist? And and are, are Arsenal part of that from you know in in the Arsenal camp? Yeah, it's. I'd like to see. I, I think obviously behind Manchester United and, and and Liverpool, obviously Liverpool being the, in my opinion, English football's biggest club. Manchester United and Arsenal. I think they're the three giants of English football. Chelsea, obviously, over the last now fifteen years, have just hoovered up trophies and are probably getting to a level of having to be considered at that kind of level. But prestige and kind of tradition tells you Arsenal should definitely always be considered in the top six, but. Currently, where we are as a football club and the squad we have, I think Leicester are probably everything Arsenal want to be and aren't. Um, and so, yeah, Leicester are definitely kind of in that argument. Uh, I'd, I'd probably lean on the the top six probably isn't a thing now and that actually other Premier League clubs have used the wealth that the division has given them to uh, build their clubs up very well or through external factors such as Everton to uh to get to that kind of level. And yeah, I'd, I would probably say the top six is now, I mean, it used to be the top four, didn't it? Growing up, it was the top course, four. Yeah. Was the big team. Then obviously Man City and Spurs came on the scene and it became the six. And now if you're saying Everton and, and Leicester are kind of getting there um, and then maybe Leeds, who knows, in a few seasons time. Uh, Where does it stop? You end up with a top 10? Or... Exa- exactly that. So I, I, I think it's just the power of the league is now getting to a level where you're getting sides who've smartly invested and grown in stature and uh, yeah hopefully though Arsenal can can win that Europa League being the Champions League and then it, it, it just doesn't matter that's a, way, you that. that's a way of just just, just completely <laughs> avoiding your questions getting around it politicians answer yeah um, I will push you though you can't get out of this one what's your score prediction oh I knew this was coming uh, Arsenal... bearing in mind you did beat us last time out at the Emirates we actually got a decent little record against you recently haven't we? yeah um Long gone are the days of the five ones and the thirteen fourteen season. Yeah, let's that was that was at Anfield, mate. Let's not bring up the first twenty minutes of that game. Um, <laughs> let's say uh, one one. I reckon one apiece. For me, I think Liverpool have coming off the back of two good wins against Leipzig and Wolves. Hopefully, uh, carry a bit of momentum. I'll go two 0 Liverpool. Yeah. Okay. There we are. So this has been the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on Blood Red. Thank you, Guy Clark, for joining us and giving us a insight behind Enemy Lines, as it's called, from uh, the Arsenal camp. And uh, Arsenal will host Liverpool at eight o'clock on Saturday evening. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red Channel.